So we are in a series in the book of Exodus, and it's called The Journey. And uh, what we've been saying is that the Christian faith is a journey, and, and God saved the people of Israel out of the, the land of Egypt through the Red Sea, and he didn't immediately take them into the Promised Land. Instead, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, through trials and sufferings and difficulties, God brought them through the wilderness. And it's to teach us that this is a metaphor of the Christian life. The Christian life is a journey. The Christian life is, uh, is wandering. The Christian life is, is, is a life in which we are changed on the journey. And so we're looking to see uh, what that looks like. And uh, this morning in chapter 18, uh, we're going we're to look at the story of a man uh, uh, whose name is Jethro. And he's got a, a really interesting story, and we're going to look at it today. But let me begin like this. Uh, my brother, his name is Josh, uh, he, he is also a pastor. He's a pastor in California. And the thing about Josh, and you'll notice this immediately when you meet him, is his personality is, is warm, it's effusive. He's like your uh, textbook uh, ex, uh, extrovert, just really warm and, 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 and effusive, and he's always trying to gather outsiders into his orbit. Like, that's just what he does. When we were younger, we used to call him a social butterfly, because we go to a, a party, and Josh would just go from person to person to person, making connections, working the room. This is just what he does. About a year ago, Josh showed up at church uh, just to visit here, and um, he did what he normally does. He worked the room, and one of our staff members, her name was Jacqueline, she said, Brent, was that your brother at church on Sunday? And I was like, yeah, it was. She said, she said wow, he is really warm and, and effusive. And I said, yeah, he is. And she said, he's way different than you. <laughs> I said, thanks, Jacqueline. I appreciate that. And she said, and he also looks like Tom Cruise, uh, which <laughs> Josh got a kick out of that. I told him that. All of us reflect God in some way. And I think in this way, Josh reflects the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is warm and effusive. Um, the, the God of the scripture is, is a God who's always trying to uh, reach outsiders and draw them into his orbit. This is just the type of God that he is. This is the type of God that we read about all the way through the Bible. You especially see this in the New Testament. And so uh, in the person of Jesus, uh, you see... Uh, you just see this God right up close and personal. So Jesus is warm. Jesus is effusive. Jesus is always reaching out and drawing people into his orbit. He's eating with sinners and he's, he's eating with outcasts and always trying to draw outsiders in. And then after he rose from the dead, at the end of his life, he tells his followers, he says, go into all the world, to every tribe, tongue, and nation. I don't care who they are. And I want you to compel them to come in. I want you to preach to them the gospel. And so this is the picture that we get of the God of the Bible, especially in the New Testament. Now, even in the Old Testament, although God sort of narrow, is, is a little bit more narrow in the Old Testament, he's working with Israel mostly, you still see glimpses of this God all the way through even the Old Testament. You see little stories here and there of, of this God who's, who's effusive and always trying to draw outsiders into his orbit. And the story we're going to look at today is one of those stories. This is a picture, this is a story about an outsider that God wants to bring in. His name is Jethro, and we're going to read about him in, in Exodus chapter 18. Now Jethro is Moses' father-in-law, and uh, he, uh, Moses marries his daughter. And in chapter 18, uh, Mo, uh, Jethro goes out to the wilderness, and he does what father-in-laws love to do. He gives Moses unsolicited advice. 
he, uh, he, Moses is out there and he's trying to minister to everybody. He's doing it all alone. And uh, Jethro is a businessman and he says, uh, Moses, you're doing this all wrong. You've got, you need, you need division of labor. You need to learn how to delegate. And uh, Moses does something really unusual for a son-in-law. He takes Jethro's advice. And he, he gives away the work and Jethro really helps him out. This is the part that I, uh, that I remember about the story when I was growing up. But what's interesting is, is at the very beginning of the chapter, there's another part of the story that I think is way more significant. At the beginning of the chapter, you see something that is uh, way more important than what you see at the end of the chapter. Because at the very beginning, we see that Jethro embraces the God of his son-in-law. You see that Jethro converts to the God of Israel. In the beginning of chapter 18, you see a beautiful picture of Jethro's conversion story. He makes a profession of faith in the God of the Bible. It's a beautiful story. And I want to look at it because it shows us something about how God wants to reach outsiders. It shows us something about the nature of God. And so I want to look at his story. Every conversion has a story. Every uh, profession of faith has a backstory to it. And so we're going to look at the backstory of Jethro's conversion. There's three parts to it. And so it begins with, uh, it's, all, it's, it, it's all wrapped up in its relationship with Moses. It begins when Jethro meets Moses, and then we'll see the middle of his story where Jethro observes Moses, and then finally we're going to see how Jethro hears Moses. And so uh, we're going to ve- begin with uh, the meeting, uh, the time that Jethro first met Moses. This is chapter 2. So go back, chapter 2, and we'll, we'll learn about when um, Jethro first comes into contract, uh, contact with Moses. Chapter 2, verse 16. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs uh, to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up, saved them, and watered their flock. When they came home to their father, uh, Raul, which uh, is Jethro, uh, he said, how is it that you have come home so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us from out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. And he said to his daughters, then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he, he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah, and she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. So here we first, uh, we're going to first come into contact with uh, Jethro and Moses. Now who is Jethro? Uh, Jethro, it says, was the priest of Midian. And uh, Midian, if you remember, is a, it's a dry, barren land. This is, uh, Midian is in the uh, Sinai Peninsula, which is a desert area. And um, it's, it's very inhospitable to human life. But we'll see that Jethro is, uh, crying baby there. <laughs> uh, Jethro, uh, he's a very, although he lives in an inhospitable land, he's, very, he's a very hospitable man. And it says that he's the priest of Midian. And what this meant was that he was the servant of a foreign god. He was a servant of a pagan god. Now, we don't know which one, and there were, there were many in that day and age. It could have been any of them. But, but he would have assumed that the god of Israel was a tribal deity. And he was like many people today who think that all religions are more or less equal. 
So uh, Jethro was a classic pluralist. He was somebody who believed that all roads uh, lead to God. Everybody's got their own one. It really doesn't matter which one you choose. Uh, and, and he, and, and, uh, and so this is where he was. Uh, he followed the creed like the man in the, the, the lead character in Man Friday, the movie, who said, worship any way you like as long as you mean it. God won't mind. Right, this is where Jethro was at. And he probably would never have come to contact with the God of Israel, with the true God. He never would have known the true God if it wasn't for this, this chance meeting with the man Moses. And so what happened? Well, Moses, he, he goes out to Midian. Now, why did Moses go out to Midian? Uh, he wasn't on a mission trip to go convert people in Midian. Uh, Moses was not going out to Midian to evangelize, uh, you know, the pagan pluralists out there. Why was Moses in Midian, class? Why was he there? Moses was fleeing for his life in, middle, in Midian, right? He was in exile. He was a, he was a fugitive, and he was, he was running away from Pharaoh, and, and there in the desert, he sits down at a well, and, uh, and some women co- come up to draw water for their flocks, and then some, some marauders, some shepherds come along and, and try to uh, abuse the women, and Moses uh, rescues these women from uh, this, this danger, and the women go home, and they say, look, this man rescued us, he's an Egyptian, and uh, the, Jethro says, well, why don't you bring him home? Right, Jethro is immediately impressed by Moses. Uh, very unusual for a father-in-law. He's, he's immediately impressed by Moses because Moses saved his seven daughters. There's a guy here, his name is Randy Cross. He's one of our members. And uh, Randy, about four years ago, we, were, we used to do this event at the Mickey Mouse pool. It's now gone, but we used to swim down there as a church. And I was there, you know, I was talking to somebody at the side of the pool. And my little two-year-old goes out in water that's too deep, and he slips under the water. And Randy Cross jumps off the side of the pool and rescues little Jude uh, from, this, from, from, from death, really. And, and I've liked Randy ever since. I mean, how could you not be impressed with a man who rescues your little baby from certain death? And this is what Moses did. And so Jethro is immediately attracted to Moses. He says, bring him home. And, and he gives his, his, uh, Moses, his daughter, Zipporah, he gives her her hand in marriage. Uh, they did that back then. Back then. Um, aren't you glad we don't do that nowadays? Some of you fathers wish you could. So Mar- uh, Moses marries into the family. And he's now uh, deeply connected to, to Jethro. And this relationship is the beginning of Jethro's conversion. And like many of us, Jethro's conversion story begins with a relationship. Somebody you met at work, some, one, one of your relatives, uh, a good friend of yours was a Christian, and through that relationship, you, you started to walk the path into faith. Jethro's conversion begins when Moses shows up. I also want you to notice God uses, uh, Moses is on a detour here. And notice God uses our detours, our unremarkable, even undesirable situations to reach others. Right, remember Moses is not here to evangelize. Moses is running for his life. This is the lowest period in Moses' life. And yet it's in this situation where he comes into contact with Jethro and it's the beginning of his conversion. God sends Moses on a detour, a 40-year detour, in order to reach Jethro. 
And you see this all the way through the Bible. The God of the Bible is, he's effusive, he's warm, he wants to bring people in. And so even, you know, he's, he'll send his people into exile. You remember the story of Joseph, how Joseph was sold into slavery and he was, he was brought into the land of Egypt. But, but in Egypt, that's the point where, where Joseph met the pagan Pharaoh and had incredible influence on that Pharaoh. God wanted to bring him into his orbit. And even, you know, the times of exile where Israel was brought into Babylon, a horrible time in the history of Israel where they were carted off to be servants and slaves in a foreign land. But you remember the story of Daniel? God brought Daniel into the land of Babylon and he had an influence on Nebuchadnezzar and several other pagan kings. Good things happen in exile. And so often God brings you into situations where you where you meet people that he wants to reach you know so often we get into our own little christian bubbles you know our own little christian subculture and and everybody that we know agrees with us everybody uh, everybody that we know is part of our tribe and 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 believes all the the same things that we do we're in this echo chamber but maybe god wants you to step out maybe god wants you to uh to make friends with somebody who's, who's wildly different than you. Because it's so often through those connections, through those relationships, that's the beginning of a beautiful conversion story. It was with Jethro. Jesus said he wants us to be salt and light, and salt only works if you put it on the meat, and there's contact. And God wants us to make contact with people that are outside of our Christian tribe. So Moses meets Jethro. This is the very beginning. Now notice I want you to see the second point where, where Moses uh, or Jethro begins to observe Moses' life. Uh, the cool thing about this is uh, Moses is uh, up close and personal. I mean, he's, he's in, a, in a relationship with Jethro where Jethro can, can, can observe him and see what he's really like. And so uh, throughout the middle of the story here, uh, Jethro observes the life of Moses. We saw at the beginning that, that he immediately liked Moses because Moses saved his daughters. You know, Moses had incredible character. And Jethro's daughters were the recipient of Moses' active concern for justice to the weak, which transcends the narrow bounds of nation and people. Right, so everybody in that culture, they, they loved people who were part of their tribe. They reached and cared for people that were part of their own nationality and ethnicity. But here Moses went out to Midian and he saves these girls. He risks his own life uh, for them and they weren't even part of his own tribe. And, and Jethro observed that and it made an impact on him. And I would never, you know, you may be here, I, I would never recommend missionary dating uh, you know, dating and marrying somebody who's not a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, I wouldn't recommend that you marry a Christian if you're not. Or if you're a Christian, I wouldn't recommend that you marry a non-Christian because, man, there's some difficulties about how we're going to raise our kids and are we going to go to church or not. It's, a, it's just a very complex situation. However, if you are, if you have married into a Christian family, non-Christian, or if you're a Christian who's married a non-Christian, what an opportunity for someone to be in the orbit of God. What an opportunity for them to observe a genuine, real Christian life. And that's what Jethro does here. He observes Moses' life. And he observes Moses' life over a period of years. 
right? He's able to, uh, he's able to, uh, you know, see uh, Moses' work ethic. Uh, Moses worked for Jethro. Uh, he's able to uh, see the way Moses raises his kids. He's observing over a period of 40 years uh, Moses' distinct Christian way of life. Now, at first, uh, Jethro doesn't even know that Moses is a believer. Remember in the story, when they first met him, they thought he was an Egyptian. Why did they think that? Well, he was running from Egypt. He grew up in the Pharaoh's household. He dressed like an Egyptian. He walked like an Egyptian. Right, he, they all thought he was an Egyptian, but they, they didn't think that for long. That was a song, by the way, in the 80s. But soon, Mo- Moses became very clear about his identity. Now, how do we know that he did? Well, he, look what he named his children. In chapter 8, uh, one of his kids is named Gershom, and that name means, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Moses wanted Jethro to know, I'm a foreigner, I'm not assimilating, I, I belong to a people. The name of his other son was Eleazar, which means the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of the Pharaoh. And so, so through naming his children, he was, he was being very overt about his Christian identity or his you know, identity as a person of God. He says, look, I'm a foreigner and I am the recipient of God's salvation. This is who I am. And every time Jethro called his grandchildren, uh, you know, come here, Gershom, or, or over here, uh, Ele- Eleazar, he was being reminded of Moses' distinct identity. Tim Keller is an evangelist in New York City, and uh, he's a really good evangelist. He really knows how to share his faith. And at one point, somebody asked uh, Tim Keller, they said, could you give us some advice on how to evangelize? Can you give us some tips? Like, for everyday people, like, what are some really basic things that we can do to share our faith? And this is what Tim Keller said. He said, most people think um, they make it more too complicated. He said, they think I need to find a way to get the whole gospel out in one conversation or to get into a debate about creation and evolution. He said, that's not the way to go. He said, instead, be simple. Let people know that you go to church and let people know that this means something to you. And I think this is what Moses was doing. He's saying, you know who I am. This is my identity, and I want you to know that it means something to me. And so Keller says, imagine you're in a conversation, and you're a woman, and you, you know, your, your friend is, is struggling with her husband, and she's confiding in you, saying, you know, I'm struggling with anger with my husband. We're not really getting along. And he says, imagine you say, well, you know, I've struggled with that too. And let me tell you how my Christian faith has helped me with that. Right, you're letting that person know that you're a Christian, and that your Christian faith means something to you. It's simple. And he said, that person may or may not say, well, where do you go to church? Can I come? The person may never do that. And yet they know, they know who you are. And they have an opportunity to observe your distinct Christian way of life. And this is what Moses did with Jethro for over 40 years. I don't think Moses ever put a a gospel track on Jethro's coffee table. He just lived like a Christian in front of him. And all of us have that opportunity. You know, there are people in your lives that, that are observing you. And, and what they need to see is a genuine, authentic, flawed, but real Christian life. And the cumulative effect of that over time is powerful. I've got a neighbor who uh, 
he, he's not a believer and I, he's, I've had the opportunity to live next to him for six years and he's observed my way of life and some of it has not been good. Uh, we got in a fight one time in front of our house because my grass was too long and he, you know, confronted me on my grass and so I confronted him and we started yelling in the front yard. And uh, somebody who lived across the street, she goes to our church and she, at that moment she said, hi, Pastor Brent. And so this guy has seen that. But I've had the opportunity to apologize to him multiple times. He's given me advice on how to grow my grass. And I I hope that what he's observing is an authentic, flawed, but real Christian life. The cumulative effect of that over time is powerful. So 40 years, Jethro doesn't convert, but he's observing Moses. I think he also observed Moses' love for him. You know, one of the things that you see right away with Jethro and Moses is that they genuinely liked one another. <laughs> another very unusual thing for father-in-laws and son-in-laws. Like they really liked each other. Like we saw at the beginning, I mean, Moses saved his daughter, and so immediately respect there. Moses respected his father-in-law. It was a two-way street here. Like before Moses went off to go deliver the people of Israel, he asked for his father-in-law's permission. And then in chapter 18 here, when when his father-in-law shows up again after a a period of years, the first thing that happens is is Moses, it says in verse 7, went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare. And they both went into the tent to to catch up. These were two men who genuinely had, had, had real affection for one another. And whether Jethro ever converted or not, I think that Moses loved him and appreciated him. There is a deep, real relationship here. Uh, Rosario Butterfield, is, uh, she wrote a, a book recently called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And it's about the importance of hospitality and conversion. And Rosario Butterfield was, before she was a Christian, she was an out lesbian living in Syracuse, New York, She was incredibly progressive in her politics and she hated the Christian right. And she set out to do some research to figure out why the Christian right is so hateful. (laughs) And so she wanted to meet a bona fide fundamentalist Christian. And so she comes into contact with a man who's the, he was the head pastor of reform, the the first reformed church in Syracuse. And she said, I want to do some research. Can I interview you? And he said, sure. Why don't you come over for dinner on Friday night? And so she did. And she said, when I got there, I didn't get, I got the complete opposite of what I expected. He said, we, she said, we had a, an amazing dinner together. She said, I genuinely liked him. And I think he genuinely liked me, this pastor. And she said, at the end of the night, we hugged each other and we said, let's do it again next week. And so they did it again next week. They had dinner together and they, and they ate and they became really good friends, this fundamentalist pastor and this out lesbian, you know, Democrat. And she said, Here, he, she said, here's the thing. He never asked me to come to church with him and he never tried to convert me. And she said, I am so glad that she didn't, that he didn't. Because she said, I knew that he viewed me not, not as a project, but as a neighbor. 
I, I knew that he was my friend. And I think here Moses and Jeth- Jethro were genuine friends. I think they really liked each other. And it went both ways. And for Moses, you know, if Jethro never converted, like if he went 40 years and 80 years and he never, and he never converted, I think Je- Moses still would have loved him. And he still would have counted that relationship as valuable. Do you have people like this in your life? You know, this is, this is what we do. We like to hang out with people that are just like us. You know, we like to, to hang out with, with people that believe the same thing as we do. And then we draw a line right here, and there are those people out there, and we build a big wall, and we throw bombs over the wall <laughs> at those people. But what if one of those people actually became a really close, genuine friend? I think that, that's when the gospel becomes powerful. Because the gospel comes with a house key and hospitality and real relationships with people that are on the outside are so often the way that this, gen- that this warm, effusive God who wants to reach outsiders brings those people into his orbit. And so that, that's what happens. So um, he meets Moses. He's observing Moses' way of life. 40 years, um, he's friends with Moses, Jethro is. But then finally in chapter 18, we'll see that uh, Jethro finally is at the place where he's willing to hear Moses out. In verse 18, verse 1, it says, And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for, for Israel, his people, and how the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, and how he rescued them. And so uh, Jethro, uh, somewhere along the way, he begins to hear about what, what God is doing in the life of Moses. So at this point, Moses is gone. Moses has gone to Egypt. He's uh, done all that work with Pharaoh, and, all, and he's let the people go, and they've gone through the Red Sea. And Jethro, from a distance, is hearing about this. Like, he's hearing from the grapevine about all the things that the God of Israel has done, about how God is a God who, uh, who rescues slaves and, and, and frees them from tyrants and, has, uh, and led them through the wilderness for 40 years. He's hearing about all of this. And he finally comes to Moses and says, man, I've heard all of this, Moses. Can you tell me something about this God? And here's where Moses unloads. He, he gives his father-in-law a mouthful in verse eight. He says, and says, and then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done for, to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake and all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel and that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And so uh, Moses begins to share with um, Jethro, the story of what God has done. Jethro, you've got to know this stuff. This is incredible. Look what the God of Israel has done. He's delivered these slaves, and he's a God who cares about the weak. And he's brought us out, and he's saved us, and now we're in the desert. And, and Jethro is hearing all this, and he begins to rejoice. And then here he says in verse 11, he says, this is Jethro, he says, and, he says, and now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, because in this affair, they dealt arrogantly with the people. And here we see that Jethro believes. So in that little verse, Jethro says, now I know. He's been living with Moses for over 40 years. 
And year after year, he's been developing this relationship and learning kind of on the sidelines about the God of Israel. But now here he, he looks at Moses and he says, now I know. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. It finally clicks for him. There's this moment where the truth, where the story, where the, where the realness of the God of Israel hits home and it clicks. Every conversion is a miracle. Because you can hear the gospel over and over again and you can observe a Christian life for a long time. But it's always a miracle when the God of the Bible opens a person's eyes. And things click. And they finally are ready to embrace the true God. He says, now I know. And maybe it all came together like this. Like maybe uh, Jethro was saying, I'm hearing about this God who delivers. And then he remembers like the, the, the two grandchildren that he's got. And one of them is named the God who saves, the God who delivers. He says, oh yeah, Moses God, Moses knew that God was a God who delivers. And then he went back to the very beginning when he first met Moses. And do you remember what, did, what was his first introduction to Moses? Moses delivered and saved his, his daughters. And he says, maybe this is a God who's just like, this is what the, the God that Moses has been telling me about. This is what, the way he is. This is what he does. He's a deliverer. And it finally clicks and Jethro believes. When I was younger, I was a college pastor, and this, this young college student, he was a Yale student, he came one day and he said, Brent, I've never heard this before. What you just said today in your sermon, I've never heard it before. You called it the gospel. That God will accept me based upon what Jesus did and not what I do. That I could be rescued. He said, I, I, I never heard that before. He said, I grew up in church all my life and I've never heard that before. And I said, well, what church did you go to? And he said the name of a church that I had heard about. And the pastor who preaches at that church was very famous. And he for sure had heard the gospel before. I know that guy preaches the gospel. And yet he had heard it for years. But then in my group, for whatever reason, it finally clicked. Every time somebody believes it's a miracle, God opens their eyes, and this is what happens to Jethro. He finally believes. And then look what happens. They sit down and they eat a meal together. And what a beautiful picture here. Here you've got uh, you know, Jethro, the, the, the pagan priest, sitting down with Moses and Caleb and Joshua and they're eating a meal together. What a picture of what Jesus would do in the future when he's eating meals with tax collectors and sinners and outsiders. And what a picture of the ultimate future where God, where God sits down at the marriage supper of the Lamb and eats a meal with every tribe and every tongue and every nation all together around a table. This is the story of the conversion of Jethro. So let me make some points here at the end. <clears throat> some real quick application. So maybe uh, you're here today and like Jethro, it's finally clicked. Maybe you're an outsider and maybe uh, today you've wandered into a church or maybe somebody has brought you or somebody's bribed you and said, if you come, I'll buy your lunch or something like that. And for, maybe you're sitting in the seat and, and where you are in the seat this morning, the gospel has finally clicked. I would love to talk to you. I would love to hear your story. 
You know, I, w- I, would love to, I would love to just sit down and pray with you and introduce you to the God of the Bible. And so if that's you, you can talk to me after the service. Uh, you received a little bulletin with a tear-off tab, and you could write your name and phone number on there and say you want to talk to me. I would love to talk to you if it's clicking for you today. If you're here today and you're like Jethro and it's not clicking, you know, maybe you're just not ready to believe yet. I want you to know that that's okay. You know, convert, I know as a pastor that sounds weird, like I'm supposed to pressure you to make a decision, but some of you are just not there yet. And, you know, coming to faith is so often a process. It took Jethro 40 years, and I hope that fellowship could be a place where you could belong even if you don't believe. Wherever you are on your journey, I hope that you can feel safe and welcome. Because, you know, we want to love you. We want to love you just the way Jethro was loved by Moses. We don't want to, you, you are not a project. We are glad that you're here. And then finally, if you're here and you're a Christian, uh, I want you to think about who are the Jethros in your life? You know, God so good things happen in exile. Maybe God's put you in a place right now where you maybe are not where you would have liked to be, and yet there are people all around you that are outside the faith, and maybe God has put you in that situation because he wants to bring an outsider in. Who are the Jethros in your social network, at your job, in your family? And maybe God wants to use you and your flawed but authentic Christian life to reach those people. Because the God of the Bible is like my brother Josh. He's warm and effusive. Apparently he's not like me. (laughs) He's always looking for an opportunity to grab an outsider and bring that outsider into his orbit. It's just who he is. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for this story, the story of Jethro, this this outsider that you brought in, the, the priest of Midian, who in chapter 18 here uh, was introduced to you, uh, the, the redeeming God of the Bible. God, we pray for those people that might be in our lives, the people that you have put in our path, that you want us to love, those outsiders that you want us to show hospitality to. God, those people that are providentially uh, set within our path, we pray that you would use us to love them, to care for them, to develop relationships with them. And God, I pray that you would give us opportunities at this church to introduce people to you. God, we pray that here at Fellowship, we might see what we see here in Exodus 18, true professions and confessions and introductions to the warm and loving God who cares for outsiders. Do this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.